Easter offering. So it's our tradition uh, for the Easter offering. We split it, uh, and half goes to the church, half goes to a mission project. So that's the project we chose this year. It's an NAB mission. Um, it's in Romania, which is right close to Ukraine now. So they actually have taken in some of the seminary students from the Ukraine who had to flee. Uh, so it's it's things are happening in that part of the world, and God is at work even in the midst of all those crises. So we're we're excited to be involved and join them. But now uh, I'll just say good morning. Good morning, church. Uh, it's not name tag Sunday, so if you don't know me, my name is Mark. Uh, I am the pastor here, the lead pastor. Uh, I'm having a rough morning. I got sick kids at home and just sickness is going around. So if I'm not shaking hands, you don't see me quite as much. Uh, that's why I don't want to get anyone else sick. Um, but whether you are, you know, watching from home or joining us here in person, if you have your Bibles with you, I encourage you to open with me uh, to the book of 1 John. Uh, 1 John chapter 4. Uh, as we continue this series, uh, looking at this letter John wrote. <clears throat> and as we come to this passage, uh, I made reference to this a few weeks ago, but I was reminded of that old joke uh, about the young pastor who began his ministry at a brand new church. And, you know, he got to the place, he preached his first sermon, and it was very powerful. People were very moved uh, by his words, uh, all excited about what is he going to say next week. But the next week, he preached the exact same sermon as he did the week before. And the week after that, same thing again, same sermon, week after week after week. This went on for several weeks until a member of the board was sort of tasked to go and speak to him about it. And the pastor's reply was simply, I'll preach a new sermon when I see people start living this one. Um, and as we come to our passage this morning, I feel like that young pastor's, maybe his name was John. Uh, because John loves to repeat himself. And John is speaking about a topic in our passage he's already brought up two times already. And now this will be the third time John is going to speak to us about this as he speaks to us about love. And honestly, it's enough to make a pastor crazy because, like, John, I've already used my best sermon illustrations. Uh, like, what am I, I going to do? I feel like I've said this before. But the reason John does this is because when it comes to love, Love is too important of a topic for us to just kind of overlook or, or glance over as Christians. Love and loving each other is too essential to our Christian life to just be something that we hear and then move on. John is going to keep preaching it until people start living it. And that's why I called this sermon, Love One Another, This Time I Mean It. Uh, and we'll look at what John has to say in 1 John chapter 4. We're going to be looking at verses 7 to 12 this morning. If you want to follow along, I'll read them for you. He says, Beloved, let us love one another. For love is from God, and whoever loves has been born of God and knows God. Anyone who does not love does not know God, because God is love. In this, the love of God was made manifest among us, that God sent his only Son into the world so that we might live through him. And this is love, not that we love God, but that he loved us and sent his son to be the propitiation for our sins. Beloved, if God so loved us, we ought to love one another. No one has ever seen God. If we love one another, God abides in us and his love is perfected in us. Let's pray together. Father God, uh, just pray that you would be with me as I just... Preach your word. 
Lord, that you would give strength for my body and just uh, help my voice to hold out. It's got a little scratchy this morning. But most of all, Lord, I pray your spirit would be among us, that you would help us to hear this truth, that you would have us hear. And not just hear it, but Lord, live it out in our lives each and every day, that Lord, we would be people of love, showing love, abiding in love, and demonstrating that love to the people around us. Lord, may these words transform our hearts and our lives as we hear them again this morning. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, as I was speaking sort of on love this morning, I, I think I wanted to do some heavy research uh, and just to find the answer to the question of what did one rowboat say to the other rowboat? He said, are you up for a little romance? <laughs> I thought that was cute. Another wise man gave this advice. He said, never laugh at the choices your wife makes because you're one of them. Um, <laughs> And finally, there was a man who was very lonely, so he posted an ad in a popular website. And all the ad said was simply, wife wanted. And he was surprised the next morning to find he had hundreds of replies in his inbox. Unfortunately, they all said the same thing. You can have mine, <laughs> if you're looking. Um, this morning, we're speaking about love. And all jokes aside, love can be a funny thing. Uh, and the world is, honestly, the world is obsessed with the idea of love. Uh, love is all around us. I mean, when the love boat and Herbie the love bug. And I mean, people talk about young love and first love and puppy love and romantic love and love at first sight. And we write songs about love. We have, you know, epic poems that have words that, you know, about love that stir our hearts. People do crazy things for love, to prove their love or to win the love of another. But I think the most interesting thing about all of that when we talk about love when we hear about love in the world today is that when it comes to love, the world actually doesn't know what it's talking about at all. The subject of love may be everywhere in our world. But when you really look at it, you begin to understand the very concept of love is so deeply misunderstood in our world today. Because to most of the world, love is a feeling. It's nothing more than a feeling. I mean, it's a wonderful feeling, absolutely. It's, you know, full of warm fuzzies, but it's still in the world, they still think of love as just a feeling. But that's not, most definitely not how the Bible understands love. I mean, listen to the words of 1 Corinthians 13, that great passage on love. Beginning of verse 4, it says, Love is patient. Love is kind. It does not envy. It does not boast. It is not proud. It does not dishonor others. It is not self-seeking. It is not easily angered. It keeps no record of wrongs. Love does not delight in evil, but rejoices with the truth. It always protects, always trusts, always hopes, always perseveres. Love never fails. That's love as the Bible understands it. It's, and it's an unconditional love. It's a sacrificial love. In fact, it's a perfect love. In fact, this section of Scripture, that John uses that word, either perfect or perfected, uh, four times to describe this kind of love. He does it in verse 12, uh, does it in verse 17, and does it twice in verse 18. It's perfect love. This is a very different kind of love than mere hormones or rom-coms or can, can ever hope to conjure up. So why is this love such an awesome thing? Why is this kind of love so essential to us as Christians? What is it that sets this love apart, you know, from the, that pale shadow of love as the world knows it? Well, I'm glad you asked that question because that's exactly what John is going to be telling us, you know, as we come to our, our, our passage today. In this passage, John's telling us 
about what real love is, biblical love, true love, God's love. And and when we're done, I hope you'll have a much better understanding of what love truly is. And we're just going to begin at the beginning of this passage. In 1 John chapter 4, verse 7, where he says, Beloved, let us love one another, for love is from God. And we're just going to stop there because we've already learned our first essential lesson about love. That God himself is the source of love. Because love does not begin when boy meets girl. In fact, if you really kind of want to bend your brain a little bit, you can realize love has no beginning at all because love is eternal, because love has its source in God himself. And God has no beginning and he has no ending. And neither does love. Uh, Paul even says in 1 Corinthians 13, 13, these three remain, faith, hope, and love, but the greatest of these are love. Love's eternal because love is from God. And God is the source of love. And if God is the source of love, then love apart from God is actually impossible. When God is absent, love ceases. Even when people love each other without any knowledge or acknowledgement of God, that love is still a reflection of God's love. You know, the the desire to care about someone, the desire to spend time with someone, the desire to have a relationship with someone and just be known, the desire to protect and to care. All of those things have their root in the person of God as the source of love. And that's why I'll sometimes say something like, you know, That love like this is supernatural. And I don't say that because it should be on the X-Files or it has to do with aliens or ghosts or anything. It's not that kind of supernatural. I say that because in this world, apart from God, there's no other source for love. There's nothing within us, within our human nature, in the natural, that apart from God's love and God's grace, that would lead us to treat one another with love. Because God alone is the source of love in this world. And that relates very much to our next lesson about love. In verse 8, where John says, anyone who, loves, anyone who does not love does not know God because God is love. And to me, this is one of the most profound verses in the Bible, that God is love. The nature of God and the nature of love are the same. And that means God himself actually defines what love is. Uh, One neat thing I like to do is to demonstrate this idea is to go back to that passage I read in 1 Corinthians 13 about love and then just switch out the word love for the word God. And it says God is patient. God is kind. God does not envy. God does not boast. God is not proud. God is not rude. God is not self-seeking. God is not easily angered. God does not delight in evil but rejoices in the truth. God always protects, always trusts, always hopes, always perseveres. The nature of love is a reflection of the nature of God. Because God is love. And that means that everything God does is motivated by love. His love's not just a part of what God is. Love is everything that God is. His, His creation, his provision, his salvation, his sanctification, even God's discipline is rooted in his love. It says in Hebrews 12, verses 5 and 6, My son, do not regard lightly the discipline of the Lord, nor be weary or when we're proved by him. For the, lo- the Lord disciplines the one he loves, and he chastises every son who- with whom he receives. 
Even his discipline is an act of love. But sometimes we don't see that. And I think that kind of highlights a danger when it comes to understanding God and understanding love. Because when you, I mean, when you discipline your kids, you might hear them say something like, well, if you really loved me, you wouldn't punish me. And you know, we, we take those kind of faulty ideas about love sometimes and we end up putting them on God. And we end up saying things like, well, if God was a loving God, he would be like this. He wouldn't send people to hell. He wouldn't allow suffering. He, he wouldn't mind gay marriage. But what we're doing when we're doing that is we're taking all of our faulty ideas about love and we're applying them to God. But saying God and love, God is love doesn't mean we take our idea of love and put it on God. It means we should take our idea of God and put it on love. It's, it's, not, it's the other way around. So God is the source of love and God himself is the definition. He defines what love is. And that leads us to our third lesson about love. That God himself is also the evidence and the perfect example of love lived out. Uh, verse 9, it says, in this, is, in this the love of God was made manifest among us. That God sent his only son into the world so that we might live through him. And this is love, not that we love God, but that he loved us and sent his son to be the propitiation for our sins. And that's beautiful. Uh, there was once a theologian, great theologian, really well known, who came to the United States from England and he's being interviewed by a group of seminary students. And one of the seminary students asked this theologian a question. He said, what is the most profound thought that has ever occupied your mind? And everyone expected some grand answer with, you know, 14-syllable words. But the theologian simply said, the greatest thought to ever occupy my mind is that Jesus loves me, this I know, for the Bible tells me so. And that's what John is saying here. If you want to know what real love looks like, all you need to do is look at Christ. Jesus is literally the embodiment of love. He's the perfect example of love lived out. And he's the perfect proof of God's love towards us. And we see that as you look at his life. I mean, when you read about Jesus, the one thing that's undeniable is his love for people. You know, people said about Jesus at the tomb of Lazarus, the one who wept, he said, look how much he loved him. When Jesus looked at the crowds, we're told he had compassion on them and he loved them because they were like sheep without a shepherd. And Jesus provided concrete examples day after day of his love for people. In love, he healed their diseases. In love, he fed the people. In love, he taught them about God. And that wasn't just love for people who were his friends. It's not just for the people who treated him kindly. It wasn't just for members of his immediate family. Jesus' love was first and foremost for sinners. For people who many considered totally and completely unlovable. People considered by the world unworthy of love. The lepers, the prostitutes, the tax collectors. And yet, in love, Jesus called those people to himself. Even if that meant... He had to give up his own life on the cross to share that love by paying the, the price and the penalty for our sin. And you've probably heard me say something like this before, but the death of Jesus is the greatest act of love 
ever accomplished. He was ridiculed and mocked and spat upon. They drove nails through his hands and through his feet. They hung him up on the cross where it was agony until the moment he surrendered his spirit. And he didn't do it because we deserved it. He didn't feel like it did it do it because he thought someday we'll be worthy of it. He did it because he loved us. He did it because he was God and that's what God's love does. And Jesus' example of love is now to be an example to us. As John continues in verse 11, Beloved, if God so loved us, we also ought to love one another. You see, now loving others, just the way Jesus loved others, now loving others is our job. Just as Jesus tells his disciples, John 13, 34 and 35, he says, a new command I give to you. Love one another. As I have loved you, so you must love one another. By this, everyone will know that you are my disciples if you love one another. That was Jesus' command to his followers. And it's not a suggestion. It's not a guideline. It's not just good advice for getting along in the world. It was his commandment to his followers. And yet I've always kind of found it a bit weird for, you know, can you command someone to love? Can you make love a law? But remember, Jesus isn't talking here about our feelings. He's not saying you have to feel this way about that person. He's talking about our actions. He's talking about how we can treat other people. And that treating other people in love should be something that comes out of an overflow of God's love working within us already. Actually, if we back up just a bit, now I did skip over something that's very important, that matters very much here. As we look to love one another, this is essential. Back to verse 7, where John says, For love is from God, and whoever loves has been born of God and knows God. You see, this love that we're called to share is a love that has to be born within us out of our own relationship with God. We love because we know God and because we have been born of God. You see, this love is love that can only begin in us once we have received the love and the grace of Jesus Christ ourselves. This love is rooted in our salvation in Christ. We have to first experience God's love in our own lives firsthand in order to be able to share that kind of love with others. To try to love like this before you're saved is impossible. The only way we'll be successful in loving others is if God's love is first flowing in us. John Piper says about that, he says, I long to love like that. I long for our church to love like that. There is nothing more thrilling than experiencing the love of God so deeply that it spills over into our relationships. And that's what we're talking about here. And when you truly have that love, you begin to live it out. So it is a command, but it's a command that we love to obey. And just as an illustration, do you know, there is a, there's actually a law in our country that states a woman must care for her child. A mother must provide the necessities of life. And yet we don't have to send police officers door to door uh, when babies are born asking mothers, are you caring for your baby? Because the law says you have to do it. Because the mother replied, I don't need a law to make me care of my baby. I love my baby. She feeds him. She folds, holds him. She changes him because she loves him. Love fulfills the law. 
And the same is true with us. We obey the command to love others, not just because it's commanded, but because the love of God working within us makes us want to do it. We obey God because we love God and his love overflows in our lives. And when we love others like that, that's the best picture of what true love is that most people in our, in our world, in our lives around us are ever going to see. You know, before we ever get a chance to tell people about Jesus' love, they're going to see Jesus' love on display in our lives. That's why Jesus says, by this all men will know you're my disciples if you love one another, because they can see it taking place. And that's a powerful thing. And that's part of what John says as we move on to our next lesson, because he says, verse 12, no one has ever seen God. If we love one another, God abides in us and his love is perfected in us. And, you know, we've already briefly mentioned sort of the the idea of the perfection of God's love, that God loves us perfectly. In fact, I love what Philip Yancey says about it. He says, there's nothing that you can do to make God love you more. And there's nothing that you can do to make God love you less because you are already loved as much as an infinite God is able to love. Because God's love is perfect. And that is a, that's a wonderful thought. But not only that, John here actually tells us that if we love one another, God's love is also perfected in us too. He's saying that if we love others, uh, that by loving others, that, that is part of, what, you know, of the work that God is doing in our lives. It's loving others is part of our maturing in Christ. Loving others is part of our growth in Christlikeness. In fact, another word for perfect might be the word complete. By loving others, we are, we are made complete as believers. That, you know, God has a goal in mind for our lives, for our spiritual growth. And it is love that helps us get there and become more like Jesus. And just a few examples, verses of kind of what I, I'm talking about here. Uh, Paul writes in Philippians chapter 1, verses 9 to 11. He said, this is my prayer that your love may abound more and more in knowledge and depth of insight so that you may be able to discern what is best and may be pure and blameless for the day of Christ, filled with the fruit of righteousness that comes through Jesus Christ to the glory and praise of God. Paul's telling us love actually, when it's expressed in our life, love leads us to knowledge and discernment and righteousness as believers. Again, 1 John 5, verses 2 and 3. John says, this is how we know that we love the children of God, by loving God and carrying out his commandments. In fact, this is, lo- this is love for God to keep his commandments. You see, in this place, love leads us to obedience. Obedience to the law of God. And again, that verse that Jesus gives uh, from John 13, verse 34, where he says, a new commandment I give to you. Love one another. As I have loved you, you must love one another. By this, everyone will know you're my disciples if you love one another. You see, love is also becomes our witness to the world. You know, people can't see God, but they can see our love in action. And they know it's from God. And one more, Romans 13, 8. Paul says, Let no debt remain outstanding except the continuing debt to love one another. For he who loves his fellow man has fulfilled the law. And here we're reminded that love fulfills the law. You see, in our lives, Love is to be part of everything we do in the Christian life. Love is part of our Christian maturity. 
You see, love isn't just our motivation. It is actually also the method that God uses in our lives to transform us. As we love God and we love others, God's love is perfected in us. Love, when we do it, it leads us to maturity in Christ. So I want to encourage you this morning just to grab hold of God's love and let it overflow in your life into the lives of the people all around you. Show that love to others. Because love is an amazing thing when you really you know, begin to truly understand it for what it truly is. And it's amazing what the power of God's love can do in a person's life. And to help us do that, as I close, I want to give you some quick applications. Um, because I wanted to give you just some very practical ways that you can show love to others in your life uh, and give this lesson just a little bit of rubber to sort of hit the road because we've learned a lot about love, but now how do we practice that love? What are some practical, tangible ways? We've heard the truth. Now it's time for us to put the truth into action. So this is some applications to help you do this. And if you want, these are the kind of things you should write down and just try to take home and put into place in your life. The first application I'd give you this morning is this. That a great way to show love to the people around you is to encourage them. Encourage people. Uh, you know, call them on the phone. Write them a note. Take them for coffee. But speak words of affirmation into their life. You know, Chuck Swindoll once said, uh, the lack of encouragement is almost an epidemic. Many Christians are dying on the vine for lack of encouragement from fellow believers. I firmly believe an individual is never more Christ-like than when full of compassion for those who are down, needy, discouraged, or forgotten. How terribly essential our commitment to encouragement as the church is called to encourage one another. You know, in all things, in all situations, encouragement, is, it's just a precious and valuable word. And if you know someone in your life who's down, or in a hard place, one of the best things you can do to show love is just by offering them encouragement. Offer them some, some words of hope. Offer to just stand beside them as they go through a difficult place. Encourage them. Then secondly, we can show love by offering forgiveness. You know, none of us are perfect. We all make mistakes, and sometimes those mistakes that we make, they hurt people. And when we do, when we hurt people, we need to go to those people and make things right and ask for forgiveness. And when it's our turn, when we're the ones that have been hurt, we need to learn how to show and offer forgiveness to those people who hurt us. Because we can't afford to hold a grudge. You know, a grudge only just puts a roadblock in the way of loving others. And I know that's costly. Forgiveness is costly. It calls for sacrifice. It calls for selflessness. But that's what love does. If you want to love someone, mend a broken relationship. Because to love each other, we need to learn how to forgive each other. And if you have that need in your life right now, I would encourage you to act on it. And then a third thing we can do to show love is simply to serve people. Uh, when you see a need, let love move you to meet that need. Uh, St. Augustine was once asked, what does love look like? And he said, it has hands to help others. It has feet to hasten to the poor and needy. It has eyes to see misery and want and ears to hear the signs and sorrows of men. That's what love looks like. Because again, love is not just a feeling. Love is an action. And it's shown most powerfully by what we do for others. And we can serve. 
We can help. And that may mean giving a financial gift. It may mean, you know, rolling up your sleeves and doing some work. It may mean stepping up to volunteer. It may mean offering someone advice. It may mean many different things. But love helps to meet real needs by serving others. Now, fourthly, you can show people love in your life simply when you listen to them. You know, it is an act of love to just give people your undivided attention. Don't rush past them. Don't dismiss them. Don't be constantly looking at your watch. You know, put your phone away. Look that person in the eye and just be present with them. And take a moment just to connect and to hear them. And you can do this on the phone too. It doesn't have to be in person. But one of the best ways to show love is to just give people your time just to be with them. It sends people the message that they matter, that they have value when you take time to just listen. Then a fifth way we can show love to people is just find a way to bless them. Um, I love the verse in Genesis 12, verse 2, where God says to Abram, says, I will bless you and make your name great so that you will be a blessing. I believe God wants us to be a blessing to others. So if you have someone in your life that you want to show love to, just ask yourself a question, what can I do that will make their life better? What can I do to make that person smile? What can I do to bring that person some joy? And then do it generously in that life without any expectation of return. You know, God has given all of us gifts and skills and resources that he wants us to use to be a blessing to others. And when we bless others in that way, it is a way of showing God's love. Now, a sixth application I have for you, and this may come as a surprise. But if you want to show love to someone, one of the most powerful ways is to correct them. And that's not something we think about as loving. And honestly, most people here probably think uh, it's mean. But when we correct someone, correcting someone, it offers a person a chance to grow. It offers them a chance to learn. It offers them a chance to get things right when they've got it wrong. And it's tough. It's tough to correct someone. But that's why we call it tough love. Because you know what? Sometimes love means you have to get tough with someone. Sometimes love means discipline. Sometimes love means telling a person the truth, even when it's hard. Sometimes love means confrontation. Sometimes love means saying to someone, no, or stop. You know, you hear people often say that, you know, I love my children too much to discipline them. That's not love, that's selfishness. If you love someone, you will do anything you have to do to help make them a better person. And correction is part of that. Then a seventh application I would give you. If you want to show love to people, just be gentle with people. You know, with everyone you mean, meet, just go the extra mile to just be kind to them. Even if it's a complete stranger. Because you know what? You don't know what that person you're meeting is going through. You don't know what struggles they have. You don't know what burdens they might be bearing. And sometimes... Even though you don't know it, a harsh word can just break them. And a gentle touch can be so important just when we interact with people. Be kind to people. Uh, and sometimes I say it like this, let your relationships be lubed with love. And I say that because there's a story about a man who used to carry around a little can of oil everywhere he went. 
And if he passed through a door that squeaked, he just put a drop of oil on the hinges. And if he opened a gate and it was too hard to open, he oiled the latch. So he passed through life just lubricating all of the creaky places and making life a little bit more pleasant for everyone who followed after him. That's what love does. Love is the oil in life's relationships. There's no telling how many lives we could keep from rusting and squeaking and how many gates we could open to happiness if only we carried the little oil can of brotherly love, general decency, and kindness everywhere we go and to everyone we meet. Just be kind. Make that effort. And then finally, just the last thing I'll talk to you about this morning for showing love to people. And that's if you, sh- if you love someone, Make sure you share the love of God with them. Share the good news of salvation. Share Jesus and tell them about him. Tell them about the cross. Tell them about his sacrifice and tell them about salvation. Because there's no more powerful way to show love to a person than to present them with the gift of eternal life in the kingdom of God through Jesus Christ our Lord. Those who we love, we seek to save. And those are eight ways. Um, it's not every way. It's not complete list. But those are eight ways that we can very tangibly show love to the people around us every day. And even as you look at them there, I would just ask you to let God speak to you right now about which of those things you can be doing in your life, even today. Look at that list and just ask, is there someone in your life who comes to mind that you could be reaching out to, to do one of those things. Like, I can bless that person. I can forgive that person. I can serve this need in this person's life. My encouragement to you is to make that happen and take that step just to show love to one another. And that's not always easy. It's not always even appreciated by the people that we do it to. You know, there's no guarantee that people, when you show them love, they won't hurt you or take advantage of you uh, when you seek to love them. There are times as Christians you'll feel unappreciated and take it for granted. There'll be times when the people you try to show love to may even betray you or resent you. But you know what? Show love anyways. Because over and over again, we're commanded in the Scriptures to love one another. Romans 12 uh, verse 10, love one another with brotherly affection. First Thessalonians 3.12, may the Lord make you increase and abound in love for one another. Hebrews 12.24, let us consider how to stir up love, one another to love. First Peter 4.8, keep loving one another earnestly. Second John 1.5, not as though I were writing a new commandment, but the one we've heard from the beginning, that you love one another. And from our passage today even, 1 John 4, 7, Beloved, let us love one another. For love is from God, and whoever loves has been born of God and knows God. God keeps telling us to do it. And he's going to tell us until we start living it. So grant hope with God's love. Let it overflow in your life. Let it overflow into the lives of the people around you. And put the knowledge of God's love in your mind, but put the love of God into practice in your life. Because love and loving one another is nothing if not essential to our lives as Christians. Let's pray. Father God, we thank you so much for the love that you have showed to us. And that love makes such a difference. Um, 
Lord, that love makes life possible for us as believers. Because without your love, we would be lost in our sins and our transgressions. But because of your love, we know we can be forgiven through the sacrifice of Jesus on our behalf. And I pray that, Lord, when we have made that love our own, that, Lord, it would overflow in our lives to the people around us. And, Lord, even as we come to the communion table again this morning, may we remember your love. May we remember your sacrifice. May we remember Jesus and his body broken, his blood shed on the cross on our behalf.